Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 38th episode of the Truth Island podcast. Very few of us in this world would be brazen enough to wake up one morning, brush our teeth, enjoy a first cup of coffee, hop in the shower, and then leave our apartment completely naked. (laughs) Yes, I am completely aware that doing this would result in a felony and criminal charges, but let's say for the sake of argument, it was legal. Would anyone in their right mind do it? Virtually all of us conform to what society necessitates to some degree or the other. At some deep psychological level, we realize that if we wish to be around other humans, we need to make sure that we keep our clothes on. Whether we like this or not, we are all conforming to that standard. Conformity is thus something we all submit to on levels we seldom pay attention to anymore. Here's an even more reasonable example. When was the last time you encountered someone that said, hi, how are you doing today? To everyone they encountered on the street. Was there anything illegal about doing that? And yet you've probably never encountered a person that is consistently breaking the fourth wall of human engagement unless there's a hidden camera lurking in the background. Many of these social rules have been embedded into our subconscious and we no longer recognize what it is that we are and are not doing. Some of these are not bad at all. For example, if everyone constantly greeted one another, how would anything in this world get done? But when exactly is it that in life, we should question what we are programmed to do? Helping me to bring guidance to this situation, I am once again joined with Joe. Joe, when exactly should we be keeping our pants on in life? Hi, Aaron, and thank you for having me back. I mean, that's a great question. And I think you have to look at the extreme first, is that when is conformity absolutely necessary? And I think an example of this would probably be with the military, where there's a high level of conformity because the outcome of not conforming would be death. So the risk is very high because everybody has to be on the same page. And if you start to do what you would, your own desires, and follow your own, march to your own uh, drummer, then all of a sudden you're putting other people at risk. So there's a high level of conformity in in certain institutions, but not so much in society. And we'll get to that. Yeah, absolutely. I I think this idea that the greater the risk something is, the more we need to conform. And I, I think that kind of taps to us at a very biological level because Thinking about like early hunting gathering societies, if some dude decided, hey, I'm going to go run off there and chase that saber tooth tiger, he might not only be jeopardizing himself, he might be actually jeopardizing the entire hunting pack. That's right. And if, and if, if the individual did jeopardize the hunting pack, they would be socially isolated and that person couldn't exist on their own. So that conformity actually was part of being in, into a cohesive unit that was able to survive. And that's part of our evolutionary biology that we actually needed each other. So there is a certain level of conformity that is necessary for our own existence. Yeah, and it's this idea, like a lot of people, you know, hate conformists and so forth because they think that the purpose of conformity is to break the individual spirit. But at the same time, you are also being bestowed with certain protections like the military provides us protections, right? 
Absolutely, and and, and there's and, and it, it's a functional thing, and this is often a, an idea and in innovation is that we ought to be always breaking things and trying to come up with our own perspectives on the world and 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 reinventing how things are done, and not taking into account that a certain level of conformity is actually needed in order to and an innovation has to be somewhat spared in that process in order to move forward. And this is a, this is something that you see in Silicon Valley often where people are always saying, we need to just tear down these industries and rebuild them from the bottom up. Well, there's a reason those industries exist the way they are. And it's also using existing infrastructure that is important, but there's conforming to certain rules that is actually helps us move forward uh, as a society. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. And it's like, for example, the military has a fitness requirement, right? I think for different branches of the military, you have to be able to run. I think in the Navy, it's two miles or, 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 or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And in, in some areas, you have to be able to carry like 100 pounds of equipment, right? And people will say, well, come on, we've got vehicles, like it's, it's not really necessary. We've got technology. Why do I have to carry a hundred? You know, we know very well that during warfare, vehicles break down. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you don't have a certain level of conformity, that individual that is not in shape is all of a sudden at risk. If something should happen in the battlefield and that you're unable to survive under certain circumstances, well, then you're you're now the the uh, outcome of that is you lose your life. And while most vehicles don't break down, you still need to have everybody conform to this standard in order to stay alive. And it's also for the person that may be next to you as well. You can't slow them down as well. Yeah, exactly. Because now, if we don't have this conforming standard, your life is at risk. And then that person has to now lift you or has to carry you, has to carry your equipment and so forth. So you're inconveniencing the people around you by not conforming to that standard. And then this is sort of a thing where we, we, we all to some degree, most of us, most people don't enter the military, but to some degree, we kind of all have to like forego some of our personal proclivities in order to protect ourselves and also to protect those around us. I mean, you know, and that's where I think it becomes a little bit of a gray area when you're outside the scope of saying life or death. And, you know, that where it becomes, well, do you really need to conform in these circumstances? And I think a good way to look at it is whether you will be functional or not functional in the circumstances that you're in. So one example would be if you're working in a retail store and the idea of identifying a sales agent that has to wear a uniform well, then, you know, that's a matter of function. So wearing a uniform is very important, but it's not necessarily applicable to all organizations and all in, in all uh, uh, situations. Absolutely. And like a lot of people will complain, like, why do I have to wear these stupid khaki pants or whatever? And it's like, it's not about you, sir. It's about the customer that's walking into that Target or, or, or retail store and being able to easily spot the person in the red shirt and be like, hey, do you know where blenders are? And and sometimes I think in our culture, we see all conformity as being just pure evil and soul crushing, but really we're, we're failing to look at the utility of that conformity. 
I, and it's important to ask why you're conforming in the first place. I think that's the critical point is that, you know, you have to understand why it's its function to, you know, the, the company as a whole or to the military as a whole or to society as a whole. And I think if you don't understand that why, then you're probably going to be trying to uh, break away from that conformity, but without the understanding of the ramifications of why you're, you know, uh, of your decision. Yes, yes. And I think that there is also an onus on the authority. So if you're a drill instructor or you're the manager of a target, it's kind of up to you to then explain to your employees, hey, this is why you need to wear your uniform. And I think right. I think that sometimes, like I think in, in fairness to people trying to break conformity, authority figures don't always do a good job of explaining why it is that we follow rules. We just kind of say, you know, oh, well, rules are rules. Well, and it's important to ask why. I mean, uh, you're right. They need to explain, but the the converse is that because we can even say this in a in a there may not be a reason certain times, you know. And, and that's that's the interesting point is that when we find out there isn't a reason to conform, well, then you start to say, is should this even be a social norm? Can I deviate? Why can't I deviate? And then you can have this form of self-discovery in that process. And I think that holds true more on a societal level. Yeah, I, I actually, this is a very interesting point where what happens if you ask your manager something like, you know, the manager tells you like, I want you to stock the shelves in this way. And then you ask that manager, well, okie dokie, why should I? And he just, oh, it's company policy. Okay, well, why is it company policy? Like, I wonder how far that expectation goes, like how far an employee or somebody can push that before you just become like a gadfly or, or just an annoyance. Well, I think you become annoyance the minute you ask the question. It's unfortunate, but you know, you're, you're not the cog in the machine anymore. You're starting to wondering as to why am I doing this in the first place? And, and the only place I can say you stop is when you have an answer that's actually satisfactory to you. And, and it actually makes sense, not to your own personal desires, but to, uh, to uh, that it actually logically makes sense that these are stacked this way for this reason. Therefore, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the intention is really what's going to come into play here, because we all know that employee who's like, why do I have to come to work on time? Nobody's at the store. You know, like there are these people that question things, but the intention is just their preservation of laziness, their preservation of right. self-identity. But then there's actually smart people who question things because they might think that they can actually do it better. Well, yeah, I mean, that, and that, I think that's a great point because it's the idea of I don't want to do this versus you're wasting my time. And I think these are two different reasons as to why you're asking the question in the first place. And I, and I, and I can sympathize with the manager that has to put up with the individual that says, I don't want to do this just because they don't want to work. But I can't sympathize with the manager that doesn't want to answer it that, you know, the employee is asking because maybe there's a better re reason of doing this. Maybe we should, or a better way of doing this. And maybe we should do things differently. And I think that that's really speaks to the idea of innovation from there is that when are you breaking from that norm that you know and i think it starts with the idea of questioning authority figures in certain cases as to why something is done and then coming to your own conclusions yeah yeah absolutely and i think also how that manager 
reacts kind of sets the tone for that organization. So one of my favorite things that a manager, when I've questioned a manager, and if, if the manager was smart, this is the exact lines that they would use. That's a good question. I don't have the answer. Let me find out for you. Like that is the best thing that I ever heard from somebody. And then what's even better is when they actually do follow up and say, hey, Aaron, that was a good question you asked on Tuesday. I did actually call corporate and find out why it is that we can't do that. And I think that that is a person that is, is fundamentally trying to understand the conformity and understand the rules and why they are just so. And I, I think that's important for everyone on any, any, any stage of the hierarchy. Absolutely. I mean, and if you're talking about something where you have an informed electorate, you know, the idea that you're questioning why these policies are the way they are, I mean, this is where it transfers over into other parts of your life. It's not just that one particular instance where you're asking your manager a question. It actually has a way of it's it's you're getting to a, 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 a level of curiosity. Yes. You know that that's really important. Um, and I think the intention as to what you had said earlier was actually a really good point. Yeah, I mean, even even thinking of this idea like uh, of politics and conformity, we don't actually get into a point where most political discussions are done from uh, you know the conservatives conforming to their narrative and the liberals conforming to their narrative, what I see very little of it is, gee, Mr. Conservative, why do you think that way? Or gee, Mr. Liberal, why do you think that way? Uh, it's sort of like, uh, do you remember those commercials with like, uh, gee, Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie, right? right? Like, like right, I kind yeah. of think of, of, of like, that's the kind of framework that we should be having policy discussions where it's that little kid asking the owl, like, gee, why do you think that way? Absolutely. And I think one of the problems with our politics today is that there's not even the ability to ask that question because it's seen as deviating from this norm that is the, the party line. And I think that this is like where the conformity turns into absolutism. Mm. And, that's, and that's a problem. Um, because I think that this is where you start to not be able to ask questions. And that form of conformity where you can't ask a question is extremely dangerous. You see this as well as with cults. Yes, and yes. You see it, you know, and, and, and now you're starting to see it with, uh, in our politics, in American politics today, is that the ability to question why you're doing something is being lost. And I think that that's a tragedy. Now, let's take these two examples side by side. Uh, we have military and we have cults. And, and both of these uh, institutions, I mean, I, I don't know if we should call a cult an institution, but let's just say that it is, right. it, it is for a second, right? They're both high levels of conformity. And yet what's very funny is that when you're constantly questioning things in the military, that could very well lead to death, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you're trying to be, quote, a flower or an individual in the military, you may wreck death upon yourself and, and, and your, your, your fellow soldier. However, in a cult, the best thing that you can do is to be a flower and to be an individual and question, uh, you know, Mr. Cult Leader, why do you want us to drink this red Kool-Aid right now in the middle of the, you know, sun? It, 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 it is like this level where you, you have two systems that are high levels of conformity, but in one instance, asking too many questions can get you killed. And then in the other system, not asking any questions at all um, can get you killed. 
Sure, and and I think that the idea is it's interesting because sometimes even in the military, you know, these are manuals that are written in for the field, and that you're supposed to do this, and you know, it may not make sense in that specific circumstance. So it's not like there's this this prescribed way of actually just being. However, more times than not, if you're going to have people deviate from those manuals, there's a higher risk and there are reasons associated with it. I would almost argue that the idea with cults that they need a similar, they need even more conformity. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the sense, in order for you to have, con it, it's a form of control, essentially, right? Yes. You're controlling the outcome. So this, the, they have to have almost a higher degree of conformity than I would say, you know, the military. And in the sense that any deviation from the norm goes at their power structure. But it's, you know, it's, it's not totally dissimilar to the military as well. You know what I think? I, I think you're absolutely right about that, Joe. And the reason I think for that, that, that the cult has the higher level of conformity, is that the military is confident that they've got logic and truth on their side, right? I think right. the military has the the studies, the empirical data, the, you know, well, during the War of 1812, some soldiers did this and look what happened to them. So I think the military is enshrined in like data and history and tradition and all this other good stuff. Whereas the cult is like, oh, we need conformity because I am your leader or because I am the chosen one. And they don't have logic and they don't have truth and they don't have reason on their side. So that's why they kind of just have to hammer in the conformity even harder. And it becomes more about power. Yes. And so, you know, it's less about logic and an ideal. It's more about power. And so the higher level, like the more power that is involved, there's a higher level of conformity that's, you know, the stakes become higher. And I think you're seeing that in politics today is, you know, with two parties, you know, there's a lot of power at stake with both parties. Any deviation from that goes at the power structure that currently exists. And I think that that's, you know, that, that that's, that's problematic. And the, and the thing that I'm thinking here, Joe, is, you know, it's actually, it, this has just kind of went in perfectly here because maybe earlier politics, like maybe politics of 50 years ago was more like the military in the sense that there was conformity, but there was like an overall underlying truth. There was maybe an overlying logic behind it. But now I'm starting to see politics go the way of, of the cult. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't think that Republicans and Democrats really believe in what it is that they're saying anymore. I, I think it's gotten to a point where they have to hammer down the ideology because they know at the end of the tracks, logic and truth is probably not on their side. Maybe half of logic and truth is on their side, but they know they know that they're omitting a lot of truth. And I think they're starting to compensate for that by by developing more cult-like uh, procedures and identities. And I think that this really gets to the idea of when to conform and not to conform. Yeah. Is the idea of when are you speaking out against what you really believe? You know, when are you just adhering to the current situation as it is because it's either easy or it's because it's what you want? as opposed to being honest and having a dialogue with another individual and challenging your own thoughts. And I think that that gets back to the same types of questions that you may ask a manager. You know, I mean, it's the same level of curiosity 
it's basic curiosity that allows you to question. And then I think if you're honest in yourself with those answers, then you won't conform. But mm -hmm. if you're if you're lying to yourself, then you'll conform. Yes. And I think that that's that's a really important point as far as, you know, what causes us to conform is the idea that we may be ousted. Right. But at a certain fundamental level, we're lying to ourselves. Yes, we are. We and I think that that's the problem. I mean, you know, when, when you're when you're when you lose your own, when you're unable to be honest with yourself, you start to conform. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're actually getting to a very dangerous area where like Joe, if you were a manager, right. And you had an employee that questioned something, but they didn't like, I think this is, I think order does matter. It's like the order of operations in math before you break a procedure, you should at least first question it with a, with a supervisor, right? Like if the supervisor says, I want you to stock the shelves like this, don't just not stock the shelves that way. That's like the wrong thing to do because you've now taken the brazen liberty of thinking that you already have the answer when you don't. But I think the first step is to be like, hey, um, Joe, why do you want me to do this? I think we're starting to get to a point where even the guy or the gal who's like questioning something is immediately being fired or immediately is being thrown out of the political party. And I think that that, that presents a high level of danger because it's one thing to oust somebody who's been given repeated warnings like, hey, put on your uniform, put on your uniform. I wrote you up three times and you come in here, we're not wearing your uniform. It's a whole nother thing to just immediately fire somebody who's just asked one simple question. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I think that that's also where you're getting back to your point about logic and reason uh, being within this equation. I think that the, yeah, the, again, and it's also the employee can keep asking that question, why am I wearing a uniform if they haven't gotten a sufficient answer? Yes, you know, because right. that, that, and, and that's an important point because they're not necessarily, they're being intellectually honest as to why they're inquiring in the first place. But, you know, the, 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 the other end of this is where it turns into absolutism is where you can't question. And then all of a sudden you're forced into this conformity and, you know, you tend to accept it, but you don't believe it. Yes. And then you're, it's almost like, again, you're, you're, you're speaking out against your own uh, beliefs. Yes. And I think that that really is the idea of when conformity really goes wrong right. is when, when you're not adherent to truth and you're not, ha you don't have necessarily any ideals or ethics or anything along those lines. Yes, exactly. You know, and it's funny because every workplace that I've been in, I noticed that this, this pattern emerges. And then this is the first step you'll, ask a question and if it's a if it's a, a moral and an ethical workplace you'll get an answer it may be okay you know your boss is on vacation they don't check their email immediately you know you'll get an answer eventually or some lady from hr will reach out to you mm -hmm. okay but then you know that a, a system is starting to decay when there's silence that's the first step when there's just silence or a month or two months goes by and then you send up a follow-up email. Hey, did you ever get a chance to look into this? And then the next step after silence is repercussions. Like you're fired or you're, you're just like thrown out of there. And I think, I think it's very important for us as a society to sort of see the stages of this development of like, ask a question, get an answer, ask a question, get silence, ask a question, get punished. I think that's like the final stage in all of this. 
Yeah, and I think that actually you're starting to see more punishment today than any than any of the first two. So where the idea where you ask and get an answer. I mean, so this idea that it's almost a default to punish the individual that starts to question things. And I think that that's an unhealthy environment. Yeah, I mean, you know, in Russia, it was the gulag, right? If you dared question, like, and it was funny because did you know, Joe, that because you have like an engineering background, that a lot of engineers in Russia were actually thrown into the gulag and they said nothing at all political. They, they said not like they said nothing political at all. The only thing that they would say is, yeah, according to these plans, this bridge is going to collapse just by an engineer questioning the integrity of like a bridge collapsing or something that implied that he had a lack of faith in the state and just questioning like the integrity of a structure meant you could be thrown into jail. Yeah. And, and, and in that, you almost have to figure out alternative ways to live and function. And that's, you know, comes back to the uh, hunter gatherer in the sense that your survival is then put at risk, you know, whether I cross this bridge or not, because if I question it, you know, the idea that I know that the, the alternative is that I end up in a gulag so that then I have to figure out ways around that, you know, I need to figure out ways around the bridge. And that's, it's interesting because it really stymied innovation to a certain degree uh, in Russia. Yes. For that, you know, for that reason. And that's one of the areas where you have too much conformity, you have no innovation. Yes. And, and I think that that's a problem when you're talking about a culture uh, or, uh, you know, so there's the one extreme where you tear down the industry and you're basically saying to yourself, we have to start all over. But then there's the other extreme where you're starting to where you're unable to question and unable to uh, come up with an alternative. And because you're trying to conform with social norms at that point where there's no innovation and no growth. So the the one end of it is the the idea of you having to reinvent everything and from your own perspective but there's this middle ground that is basically saying why did this exist how can we do it better and it allows for much more uh, practical solutions to our problems and i don't think i think many times i think i know a lot of people that had come over from the soviet union that had done programming Yes. You know, and so the the types of programming that they didn't question some of these systems because they knew the outcomes were very would have been unhealthy for them and where they would almost have to figure out a way to operate out through that system out through the with the bugs and yeah. they wouldn't. So instead of coming up with a better system, they just understood how to function within this broken system. And I think that that's a that's an unhealthy level of conformity versus the other conformity that, you know. Uh, oh, my God, Joe. Uh, first off, you've just described uh, working in the DOE as a teacher to a T. <laughs> every, every, everything is completely broken. You know, it's funny because, you know, the copier breaks down all the time. And you just know not to complain about it. Like the copier is broken and that's just like the ipso de facto way that we operate around here, that this copier will be broken. It'll probably be three weeks before it works again. You need to figure out some other kind of twist and turn way of making your, of getting your copies done. Because if you dare go to the principal, if you dare complain to anybody that like, hey, can we maybe invest in a new copier here? 
you're going to be, you know, thrown in the, uh, quote, uh, bureaucratic gulag <laughs> and, right, and, and right. like, you know, like, like there. So th- this is something that we, like, it, it actually really, really stymies innovation. And then the coding example that you just used is that it's not only this uh, navigating broken systems that goes on. It's kind of like, you know, uh, the old expression, like walking on eggshells. It's also these people that, that a lot of them that came from very oppressive environments, when somebody makes a mistake or somebody uh, does not follow protocol, they freak the hell out. They, they, they are actually, they're like, what did you do? What did you do? How dare you? And then, and then they start yelling and screaming. And then the, the person that made the mistake or tried something new, they feel really bad about themselves. But what they don't realize is that that person that's freaking out isn't trying to make you feel bad. They're just afraid for their own lives. And they've been conditioned. Yes. You know, that's the problem is when conformity ends up conditioning actually who we are and defining who we are. And it starts to set with social norms. And then when you don't have anything to fall back on, meaning an ethical system or framework, well, then that becomes actually a very uh, challenge for anybody that's around you um, because you're be, you'd be willing to sacrifice the person next to you in order to conform to this standard. And that's unhealthy. You know, and it also... No, that's that, that's really well said because you might be a good person, right? Like me, right. me and you are our friends right now, and I'm good to you. You're good to me. Everything is a okay. But if we were thrown into a system which bred conformity, then that could actually, you know, make us enemies in a way. Because like my, I would be like we, you know, I'd like to think I'm a good person, but if my survival is under threat, like if I'm going to be thrown in a gulag, if I don't rat you out or whatever it is, then that that's taking good people and, and basically turning them evil. That's right. That's right. And, and I mean, and I think that that's the unhealthy level of conformity that you have. But remember, that same conformity kept us alive as hunter-gatherers. Yeah. So there's a, like, there's a scale component to this as well, you know, because when you start to see these systems get so big, that in certain cases that it like bureaucratic in certain circumstances there's not enough flexibility and there's casualties in the process but on the flip side of that this also this level of conformity has also uh kept us alive as in the hunter-gatherer stage so i think that the the, um, the tallest umbrella that controls whether we should conform or not to conform is this idea of ethics yes. because ethics basically determines when it is like if somebody is being hurt or, or massive amounts of people, like for example, in that scenario with the bridge, right? If your ethics tell you that people will die if this bridge does not get fixed, then that is the ultimate indicator of whether you should conform or not conform. I agree. I mean, you know, ultimately, are you lying? You know, yeah. that's what this comes out, uh, comes down to. Lying has such a pervasive effect uh, on society as a whole, primarily because you're speaking out against what you actually believed. And it ends up, this is where uh, we, were, we have spoken in the past, the ideas of the sins of omission. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, at some point, it really becomes a serious situation if you start to conform a little bit on this, on this ethical boundary. 
well, if you start to push that boundary, it automatically will, it leads to um, dire circumstances in certain cases. And then, and then our engineer friend is sort of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place, right? Because if the engineer friend tells the authorities gulag right away, right? Like end of story. So I, I guess the only way to fix that bridge is that engineer would, would kind of have to operate within the broken system of like waking up in at midnight and secretly repairing the bridge himself or getting a coalition of workers to just like while the authorities are asleep like try and and restore the uh, structural integrity of that bridge and i i'm wondering like in in this in the, is, is there a better way because i think the default setting is like like it's common sense right if i go to the authorities i will be killed end of story right so the other alternative is operate within the broken system is there a way out of this? Like, like I'm wondering, because this is really tight. No, I mean, you know, there's, there's a, one of my favorite movies is Son of a Woman. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, you know, the kid has the idea of either he's going to rat on his classmates or not. Hmm. And the ramifications for him, he has an ethical principle and he says, you know, look, you're, you're basically co you know, coercing me into telling uh, to snitching on my classmates. And, you know, he didn't agree with that. He had an ethical his own ethical uh, belief where he wasn't going to conform. But the, you know, in one great scene, Al Pacino says to him, you know, there are two types of, uh, of people in this world, you know, one that say and take the fire and the other ones that t take cover. Yeah. He cover is usually better, <laughs> and, you know, but, the, but the, I, I don't see a way out of this ethical dilemma. You know, the reality is if we make really difficult decisions, we're not going to necessarily like the outcomes. Yeah, yeah. But I think this also gets back to the idea of, well, then you have to have a framework for making these decisions and when to conform and when not to conform. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Al Pacino that you got to stay alive. Like, There's no there's no doubt about that. I, I agree with that basic premise because a dead person is of no use to anybody, right? If that engineer just gets shot tomorrow, then that bridge is certainly never getting fixed. So I'm wondering, is there a way to operate within the broken system, but then maybe start whispering to people and start, you know, and then like, this is risky, but it's not certain death is to start, like, I still think there has to be some agency of like, secretly or covertly overthrowing the system, like like the corrupt system that's at hand. So, you know, maybe that engineer is working within the broken system, but then he's secretly having like meetings in his house where he's like, okay, I know that the guards do this and that. And, and he's starting to organize. And like, maybe his life is, is in more jeopardy by doing that, but it's not an instant, you know, fatality. It's like, he still has, has room. I, I kind of think of the, um, there were some Jews, for example, who organized an underground resistance to the Nazis, right? And they, you know, like, was their life at greater risk? Like, they could have easily just left Poland and just fled to, to Sweden, to try and go somewhere safe, right? Like, they had that opportunity to just cross some border and escape to a safe country, but they chose to stay behind and they chose to defy this authority. So, I think that you shouldn't do something that's going to kill you right away, but you almost have an, an onus to take some, some degree of risky behavior to overthrow something that's highly dangerous. Well, I mean, in, in a way, the idea of the military coming back to where we started, you know, it's predicated on the sense that, you know, you're going to give your life because you believe in this. 
right? So this is no different than the engineer that's now faced with the same scenario. And, or the, or if you're hiding people in Nazi Germany or whatever it may be, you know, and, and, and my personal philosophy is that, you know, if it's, uh, uh, you know, a life worth, not worth dying for is a life not worth living. Right. Yes. So, you know, I have that perspective of where not necessarily saving yourself is, is always the best option, but it does become an, and there, there becomes this balance. I, you know, when do you conform under what circumstances? It's not very clear to me other than the fact that if you have an ethical framework to make decisions, I, I mean, actually, that's, that's it. You know, this is actually one of the areas where it would be nice to have like a scientist that could say, well, here's the probability of getting shot. Like you have to actually start at, to make these ethical decisions. You would then need to start using some kind of probability measure of, okay, um, I know that half the people were able to defy this group of Nazis over here and they got away with it. And then the other half got shot. It looks like probability is 50, 50. I'm going to go for it and defy them. You know, like all of this, like empiricism now comes into play where, you know, and it's actually funny. I think this is one of the areas, this is like one of the few overlaps where probability probably overlaps with ethics in some way. I mean, it always, there's always an element because we don't necessarily always know the truth. Yeah. So, you know, there's always a probabilistic perspective that we have to take into account is that, you know, so I, but I, I think at the end of the day, though, if, if it, if it, if it counters something that we truly believe in, then I don't see how you can even, uh, you can, you can only, you can only use probability as a tool. You can't use it as a framework. Well, you know? I think I think it could be a little bit in the framework. And here, here's where I'm going with this, right? Mm -hmm. If the guy comes to you and, and you're like, well, why didn't you fight those you know, evil Nazis or something? And the guy said, listen, I had a 95% chance of getting shot. You would understand. But then if that person said, well, I had a 10% chance of getting shot. That's like, you would actually, I think we would kind of judge that person. Like if the probability was 90% that they would get shot, then we would be very forgiving with them maybe taking the, the I don't want to use the word cowards move, but just the, the self-preservation mode. But if the probability was only 10% that they were going to get shot, then we would kind of judge them a little bit more harshly. Like you just need to be a little braver right now. Absolutely. I mean, I think the way we would issue our judgments would definitely change. But I, I, again, you would even say, well, is the probability of me getting shot going to save 100,000 people? Mm. You know, is, if it's 90 percent, well, then do you need to take the bullet? <laughs> like, you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, that's a that's good one, the, Joe. That's a good one. Because, yeah, that's where the military kind of, you know, they, they, they lead on that. Uh, you know, they lean on that for. It's also like this one where if you're in a room with Hitler and you shoot him, but then you know you're going to die immediately. Like you know that the Nazis are just going to come and shoot you as well. It's like, does that, um, does the scale of all the lives that you're saving worth your own sacrifice in some way? Yeah. And, and this is where, you, you know, again, I do think probability is a tool. Like what are the, if you know the outcome, if you have an idea of the outcome, I think that that's really important in this. And then you kind of worry about yourself after the fact, yeah. you know, and I think that that's where, you know, if you really have a politician that's going to do the right thing and worry about the outcomes after the fact, you know, I'm going to worry about the, um, yeah, what, what happens, you know, to them afterwards. 
I think that that's probably a um, better way of being and not conforming than say otherwise you would you know feel the need to conform. Yes, yes. And you know what, Joe? Honestly, like my final takeaway from this conversation is I actually feel a lot better about myself right now because I actually am prompted to take more risks and conform less because the stakes aren't that high right now. Like there, you know, there, there is tension, there is high polarization and, you know, oh my God, I posted the wrong thing on Twitter. I'm, I might get right. fired or whatever. Like there is that, but I, I think it's also important to sort of sit back and say, hey, we still have enough wiggle room where we're, we're not gonna get put in a gulag for arguing over a bridge. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I, I feel good about this conversation as well. I mean, in the sense that it kind of gives you a better understanding in talking about these issues in particular um, as to why people make the decisions they make. Yes. And yes. I think that that's, a, that's an important thing because we have a tendency to judge other people. And I think that this kind of builds a certain level of empathy when they're making their decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you, you might, you might not take it so personal. You might just understand that, Hey, they're just trying to protect their own behind. Yeah, Joe. exactly. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This concludes the 38th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.